Here we okay. go. All right. So you just show that guitar again, Billy Falcon. We have Billy yeah. Falcon. He's one of my favorite songwriters. Writes let's for Bon Jovi, amongst others. Where, let's see that. And what was the this, story behind this? Can you this? really see this here? Yeah, I can see it. My mama painted that rose right before I went on tour with the Power Windows record. The record, the Pretty Blue World record that kind of saved my life. Uh, and um, when I went on the road, we were on the road and I was just talking about it this morning because there was a, a deep freeze in Nashville or all over the country, kind of like now, but uh, where they lost a third of the trees in this park. We have a park here. The parks here are like forests, you know. They lost a third of the trees because everything was frozen. And it just, this guitar is going to fall again. Can anything else happen to this guitar? I think it's fine. I don't think it can. It's like it it can be none more broken. I want to do the little intro song to this new fangled. I'm thinking about calling the podcast Come to Where I'm From because I had that name for a while. Mm -hmm. And we already have subscribers there. And why not? Just because it changes doesn't mean that we have to reinvent the wheel. But here we go. Sure. Sure. Welcome to the Joseph Arthur Show, where we'll talk about the world. And where we're going, none of us will know, but we'll talk about the world. I don't know why I go into David Bowie with that theme song, but I do. It's just like... <laughs> Sounds a little like Dave, uh, uh, what's his name? What, the Kinks. What's his name? Ray Davies. Ray Davies, yeah. So do you Ray ever, Davies. have you ever donned an English accent, Billy? Billy Falcon, you know... by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Billy Falcon, <laughs> be excited. Anyway, go, excited. go ahead. I'm excited. Um, no, I, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I'll I'll speak with an English accent on, on the golf course or somewhere. And oftentimes you'll be playing with someone from there. They think you're mimicking them, but I'll just put it on. Not that I have a it probably sounds more Australian than anything else. But no, not as a singer. Maybe as a kid, I tried it. I don't remember that. That's funny, though. Yeah. But Ray Davies. Ray Davies was brilliant. And uh, yeah, so was the other guy, David Bowie. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I think the English sometimes think we're making fun of them when we go, hello, mate, but we're yeah, like, sure, 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 but sure, it's sure. a form of like, I, from my end, it's kind of like a big compliment. I just, yeah, you're, I, you're honoring, you're honoring. It's them an honoring. It's, yeah, yeah. it's too good. Yeah. So yeah. what's going on, man? By the way, your house looks amazing. Uh, you're oh, where you never- do where you, you do never, your live stream but that yeah, that looks like a pretty yeah. uh sweet well this is this is all virtual yeah. though you could yeah yeah no it's real um <laughs> actually i live in a shack and there's just one little corner that i have no it's it's kind of like this i'm getting tired of it you know it looks when i when i built the house when i say i built it it was i finally made money you know in the music business after 40 years in the music business i i I was on a record that sold ten million copies, so I, I made money. Which that one? Was, which one was that? It was the Bon Jovi Bon Jovi Crush record? And what like five, song, five songs? Oh, I had like five or six songs on it, and wow. it was so funny because I don't, I still don't ka-ching, know what you get paid. Ka-ching. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, and, and I had my, I own my and I own my publishing, but the funny wow. thing was, I, I never like if you ask John Bon Jovi how much money he makes per 
sell or per song, per record. He'll know. I have no clue still to this day. I, I guess I never really cared. So, so that record was out about a month and sold a few million records. And I was went down to some bar, some club here in Nashville, uh, like a writer afternoon writers thing and something. It was kind of it was a nice time and it was a beautiful day. I remember being in this bar to see some band showcase and a girl that worked for Steve Earle's management, who my buddy was Steve Earle's manager, um, came out. Dan, Danny, Danny Goldberg? No, no, Danny Gillis. That's funny that, you know, Dan Gillis. No, is he his manager now? Danny Goldberg, Goldberg is, yeah, because he used to manage me and I know he managed Steve oh, wow. Earle. Oh, I go back with Danny, Danny, Dan Goldberg a, a long time. He was my press secretary, press secretary. Zeppelin my, too. He was my press guy, his company, was uh, him, and then he wound up having that label. They tried to sign my daughter. This is skits, yeah. And but and then I know he wound up. He had Gold Rush, and I think Steve ended up there. But my friend Dan Gillis was uh, was was Steve's manager, and uh, I was there. And this girl comes, starts talking to me. She says, "Billy, are you excited?" I'm going, "What do you mean?" And she says, "You made three hundred grand this week." And I went, "What?" I had no clue. I had no clue. Wow. And that was the be that was the beginning of it, you know. Uh but you know what? You make you make you work you work forty years or they're at the, that point thirty years and you make, you know, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars even, and then the government comes along and takes most of it or half of it or a, a three you know, a third of it, thinking you're gonna make that every year, which you may never see that again. It's kind of cruel. But uh it, it was the beginning, uh, again, that was the beginning of uh, a nice thing. But that was the last record that sold that many. That was the end of the 10 million, if you remember, records yeah. used to sell like that. And it was before Napster. It was right at the beginning of that. But so, so that was a nice time. Let me ask you this. You're, you're, a, you're what we would call a journeyman songwriter. One of, I, in my view, one of the best in the business. Thank you. But I'm sure the... 30 years leading up to you you like going a ka-ching a ka-ching a ka-ching playground which thank god you had that and i hope it was fun but but what was it like that moment of like having all those years where i'm sure there was some times when you were like how am i going to pay my bills what's this what's that financial insecurity must have struck you maybe you lived like that for years i don't know what your situation was like but describe that versus the time where it went like the floodgates of success opened what that did to your perspective and also your relationship with god yeah okay if this is too long an answer do something like this and i'll stop oh i'm um, good at but, interrupting yeah. billy i'm yeah, good at interrupting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a big question uh jewish uh, I made three records before I was 25. I made a record when I was 19. I made a record when I was, and something happened. I, I was immediately a rock star. At, at, at my 19-year-old record, I was probably 20 when it came out. I was on every major radio station in the country, uh, five songs deep on an eight-song record. Uh, you know, they used to play album tracks, and I thought, wow, that was easy. It wasn't easy getting the deal, but the record came out, and uh, was it immediately like just everywhere on the radio? You couldn't. I've never seen that. That kind of airplay again uh even after even when i got successful later on but i thought wow I, I i did it but something really weird happened the record company i was signed with uh was not in the business of selling records they were in the business of selling shares of me in a tax 
a tax uh, deal they had going on where they take people's money, like they were putting money on a racehorse, uh, investing in a racehorse. And the only way they, they were able to uh, benefit from that is the racehorse not winning. And they were in the business of me not winning. I didn't find that out until I was three records deep uh, in that. At that point, I got out of all those contracts because I did find out somebody at the com company, the girls at the company really liked me. They looked at me like they, I was their son. <laughs> and they said, Billy, you got to get out of here. They, they do not want to sell your records. They are keeping you. They're making so much money off just the idea that you write legitimate songs that they could show as, yeah, we invested money. We took investors on this guy and we lost money. And that's what they were in the business of doing. It was a tax uh, shelter. And uh, at that point, I, I got born again somewhere along the line. And um, I needed throat surgery and had, had uh, at the end of the third record I made for them, I needed uh, I couldn't talk anymore. Something happened to my throat. I got a polyp, had throat, throat surgery. It, it scared me to death. And uh, again, I became in that in that period of time there where I couldn't speak uh, for like a month and then couldn't sing for like four or five months. Um, I was living in Manhattan, no longer connected to a record company, did not know how to even speak to somebody that didn't either work for me or was a fan or worked for my record label. So I was in a really weird place. Uh, the woman, the girl. Psychologically. I, no, I was in a bad place. I, I had no idea how to function if someone, you know, you, you start allowing people to do things for you that you need to do for yourself. And I was just, uh, I wasn't even successful. I'm the still trap. dealing with that, dude. Yeah, yeah. the <laughs> trap, the trap, you know, and I've heard stories about people like Stevie Nicks can't light a cigarette. You know, it, right. she just she holds it up because she doesn't know how to light it, and someone comes and lights right. it, and that and that light is costing her a lot of money. Right. <laughs> anyway, I didn't get that far because I wasn't really successful, not monetarily anyway. But people knew who I was and figured that I must be rich and famous, and I was none of those things. Right. And, uh, and at that point, I got invited to a Bible meeting, and I was so lonely living in the city in an apartment that a woman that really loved me, a girl that I had kind of been running away from and torturing because I was a jackass. Uh, I was living in an apartment she rented. I had nowhere else to go. And um, I said, yeah, I'll stay there. And she was, and she was only there on the weekends. And we started, then I realized I loved this girl. We wound up getting married. And, uh, and I wound up becoming, teaching the Bible in my house in Manhattan. And I was, a, you know, I was just this, like a different human being. I became somebody else. And uh, it was a better somebody else, though. I was just writing songs with no look towards ever doing anything in the music business again. I was teaching the Bible in Manhattan in a little tiny room. Uh, and then my, had, we had a baby and it was us and a baby in a little tiny room. And on every Tuesday and Thursday night, I'd have eight, nine people come in, either from the street or people that were repeat offenders coming to hear me try and teach the Bible, which I really wasn't very good at, but my heart was there. And, uh, and I was just loving the idea. I had a family. You know what that's like. You have a baby, and it's just like, this is what matters. Yeah. This is what matters. And that little girl and that woman I loved with all my life, and I would die every day for them. And it just so happened... Um, in the few years that followed, we finally got out of there, got a little place in a really sweet little spot in New Jersey, very close to the city. And my wife got sick there. And in three years later, she was gone. Uh, wow. Um, and that was uh, a moment I never thought I'd see because uh, to that point, my only real problem in life was I wasn't 
an, a rock star. My pain was that I wasn't a rock star. And uh, God, if that's the only thing wrong in your life, you're okay. And but I, I finally realized pain. I, I finally knew loss. I never I come from an amazing I had an amazing mom and dad. They both live. My dad lived to be 101. My mom, 93. Uh, but I never knew that kind of pain. I never knew the pain of loss because I don't ever remember seeing the inside of a hospital until I was with my wife in the last weeks of her life, watching her fade away on a bed in the hospital with my little baby outside. Ooh, was how like old was three, the baby? How old was three, the baby? Three or four. Ah, oh, dude. Old enough to kind of realize yeah. what was going on yeah. for sure. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Yeah. yeah, it was it was harsh. It was That's cruel. Insane. It was it was un, in, unjust. And I but God taught me so much in that moment. <clears throat> so much and so much of it I didn't realize until later on. Um, but what I learned in that moment was that God absolutely brings beauty for ashes because the moment I kissed uh, my wife took a last breath and I kind of released her. I couldn't, I couldn't stand to see her struggling to breathe when they'd given up all hope. And after what they give her the drugs and all that stuff, they just, they destroyed her. I think the doctors destroyed her. She, when she was sick, she was still living. And then when she went to start taking their medicine, uh, within a month or two, she would look like a sick person. Right. And, uh, I kissed, I, I said, you can go now. And within a minute, I told her go because I knew what she was holding on for, and it was too painful right. to watch. Jeez, my baby, dude. my baby was outside that room, uh, that hospital room, and about fifty of my friends, musicians, and people from a Bible ministry I was involved in just gathered, and they had guitars, and 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 there was music out there, and my daughter was running around thinking this is a party, and she got to spend. Uh, time that afternoon with her mom there's whole so many miracles which i i won't even begin to try because you'll, you'll be here for three days um miracles in that day of, of the last day of her life um, she was in a coma for three days and i had sent my daughter away to be with my folks in florida just so she wouldn't be around the hospital for weeks on end and uh the day i got my daughter i called my folks i said you got to get rosie back here her mom's going to be splitting and they brought her up and she when she walked through the I opened the door, Rosie went across and it, her mom hadn't opened her eyes for two days. And when Rosie walked in the room, her mom opened her eyes and like a little child said, my baby. <laughs> and I was crushed. And my daughter run jumped in her mama's arms That's and she spent the afternoon, spent the afternoon in her mama's arms. And her mom, it was like two children playing because at that point it was in her head, but she knew it was her daughter. She didn't know anything, but she knew it was her daughter and she cooed on her and she loved on her and she cried on her. And that mm, night she was gone. By the end of the night, dude, she was gone. That's devastating. So God is, uh, and all that to say that God is absolutely amazing. And that night I, my, she took a last breath. I have a song called When about it. I could sing that for you if you like. I don't know if I ever do sung that for you. Sing it, right. sing it. Let's do that now. It's easier. And it goes like this. Let me just, um, yeah. Unscripted here, folks, huh? Um, all right, let's do that. Let's do When. I've got to get it for you. I want to ask um, you, I want you to do the song, but I, I want to ask you, like, certainly that must have tested your faith man i mean like watch <clears throat> like just because you know the sheer heartbreaking reality especially frame framing it with your daughter the loss for you is obviously extreme enough but then also it's a double because i know what being a parent is like to a young child and watching her lose her own mother there has to be 
there had to be some kind of question that ran through your head like this is too cruel uh to yeah. even imagine but i don't want to take you off track of the song it depends on if you want to tackle no, that it's it's all it's all it's there it's right there it's no off track it's um i gotta tell you i never blame god and i was right not to blame god because this stuff does not come from god it comes from the one who comes to steal kill and destroy i knew that then and i know it now and i i know it i know it well and but he allows thinks, it though i don't know that he allows it he we have free will and uh, I don't think he allows it either. I think he cannot break. There's some things we, we don't understand. Obviously, uh, Joseph. yeah, yeah, that's we true. don't understand. But in him, there is no darkness. I can't, I can't figure cancer into that. In him, there is no darkness. Um, that's a beautiful so no, line. I don't think he even. I, again, in a way, he's sure, sure, he can't. I believe there's stuff about bloodlines and stuff i don't know what happened in my wife's bloodline a thousand years ago but right. all the devil needs is a way in and, and then he, and he needs people to be ignorant of the truth of god words and what god's word and what jesus accomplished on the cross okay. now i didn't know i didn't know about healing i i knew a lot of the bible i, I and I, I was taught a lot of good bible in those days but i didn't know about healing and uh, my wife's experience it's really hard if you have an experience of losing someone she lost her dad at eight years she lost her dad young and then she lost her stepdad but she lost her dad to cancer when she was eight years old this was my wife so in her mind it was embedded you get sick you get this you die and that's a really hard thing if you have that for years in your head even if you know jesus by his stripes you were healed that's where i stand now and i see it every day i see it all the time i see people getting healed all the time and yet i still see people die because it is a matter of faith it is a matter of how many times you hear jesus say in the gospels your faith has made you whole which is your trust in me as opposed to what your body's telling you you know, faith is nothing but trust. Your trust in me is what made you whole. And sure, yeah, so I didn't blame God. I didn't blame God, but it, I was confused, let's say. I was confused because I had such a charmed existence, like I said, to that point. My only trouble was, was I met a rock star. Right. And, and, and I was a believer, and I believed this cannot happen. When I was with my wife and she discovered a lump in her breast, I used to wash windows after I got rid of my record labels. I went, I was washing, I was washing the windows of stores that sold my record. And, <laughs> and I'd, I'd bring my little ragamuffin family because I look like a ragamuffin and, and wow, my little baby bro. girl and my wife and I'm be washing windows. So I'm washing this one window in a pizza place. I remember vividly being in the pizza place. It was my last job. It was freezing cold outside. My, I leave my wife and baby in the car because it was cold and she was breastfeeding the baby. And I'm, go inside to do the windows of the pizza place. And because people used to smoke in those days in restaurants, it was a little, you know, just a place you'd sit down and eat a slice of pizza, New Jersey, good pizza too. I'm pulling away the neon sign, hope, trying not to get shocked. And I hit the, the window with a, uh, a ring washer, they called it this yellow thing on a stick. And, and as I do that, the nicotine is pouring down the window and I'm looking through the window at my car through this yellow slime, going down the window why is nicotine just, going down the window because it was in a place that people smoked inside oh it was the inside i got you inside, i, I, I had you inside. on the outside right right, no, right no i go in to do the inside of the window when i hit that with the water it was just so ugly and and in retrospect it was when i walked out to the car my wife was hysterical crying she was breastfeeding the baby she felt a lump in her breast 
And mm-hmm. at that moment, it was like she knew she was going to die. And I looked at her and said, what are, you, what are you getting excited about? This is nothing. God will not allow this. Allow, right? God, right. I figured nothing bad can happen to me. It, nothing ever did. Nobody ever died, you know? I never imagined, but she... God bless her, was was scared to death right at the first moment, you know, and yeah. to the world looking around at her, she was a champion. She'd look, oh, she's so brave. She's so brave. She's so brave. Every morning I'd see her get up and all she had was fear. It was just wrecked with fear. Right. And, and, and uh, anyway, so I never well, blamed God. I was just kind of disillusioned and I had no clue. When she, when she passed, I had no clue who I was anymore to him. And I, I had no clue what he was to me anymore i didn't know i still believed but i didn't know how i fit anywhere anymore i mean i didn't fit i didn't fit anywhere anymore i was thrown off the train of my life with a baby and i was broken if i had a clock and it was ticking and i was cruising along with my peer group it was broken there you know and that's the enemy my clock was broken and for a long time i was just like casted out of uh the uh the, the track i was on going somewhere i i was i was suddenly wandering aimlessly spiritually mentally just like who am i now who am i by myself i'm a widow i'm 34 something like that i'm a widow i'm 33 or 34 uh never and back and back then i mean 33 34 now sounds super young but back then especially in rock and roll that was like up you you you're done i mean I'll tell you this, just from my own perspective, I used to frame my life, especially going through sort of recent difficulties, like, oh, I don't deserve this. I've written these songs and I should be like this and that. And uh, the the shift that I've evolved through has been like super humbling to the point where what you said about I don't know who I am with God is resonated it resonates with me and and it actually like what i am going through sort of currently which is who knows how god sees me i mean like i'm blessed with what i have i'm grateful for what i have i don't deserve anything more than what i have and i need to be as humble as and grateful as i can just to protect what i have and who knows which way the train is even gonna go you know so it's like And I feel like that's an elevated place from where I was before when I felt like I deserved something. You know what I mean? But now I want to ask you this. When you're washing the windows in the record shop or for the record shop that has your records, is that is that another point when you're asking God, like, what's going on, dude? Are you going to uh, (laughs) enable me to make a living? I I mean, I I mean, dude, you are a a genius level songwriter. That's just true. That's not me. Well, it's true, bro. You're either like insanely talented or a genius. I mean, probably genius. Seriously, dude, insane, that's just insane. that. Thank you, okay, Thank you, take, take one of those or the other. I'll, take, both, either, I'll take either one. They're that's both good. pretty Thank good. You. So, yeah. so, um, were did you also, and that's uh, this is obviously on a whole different level than losing your wife, but like, did you also have moments where you're like, God, this is a waste of my time? I could be serving you with songs. Like, why aren't yeah. you getting yeah. me out yeah. of this? You know, I, I guess I didn't look at it like that. I had never worked in my life a real job, you know, because I I got when I went to get a job when I was in my teen years. My dad said, "Don't get a job, can sing." He was a cop. He didn't amazing, have a ton of money. bro. Yeah, he was amazing, amazing father. My, wow. My dad. That's why it's really easy for me to believe in a God that forgives me and, and loves me, because my mom and dad were 
not perfect my family not perfect amazing though no, amazing that In sounds amazing they, they loved god and my dad said billy you need 20 dollars to go take a girl out or or and that's 20 dollars used to be able to do that um he said you sing you sing you're not gonna i wanted to get a truck a job like my friends driving a truck for the auto parts store and he goes you're not getting a job for the auto parts store. i'll give you 20 bucks if you need it sing write your songs and sing because that's all i did i was obsessed i was possessed with the idea i want to do this thing and and i started looking around at my friends getting cars and and uh and i'm thinking maybe i'm you know and he said no 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 we you you do this he he saw in me what i am what i do uh, my brothers had my brother who was a were cops and firemen had they gone to him and said uh yeah i'm gonna get a job he'd say yeah get a job they're very talented guys but they weren't musicians they weren't artists um so I, I it wasn't it wasn't that I, I was looking at him but I was looking at my life and and there was a time where I, I took a job moving furniture uh, again I, it was like crazy labor uh furniture and office furniture in Manhattan so you could imagine uh carrying file cabinets down flights of stairs the file cap full filing metal filing cabinets and and the people I was working with were, were not to be mean were the scum of the earth these guys would stand on the back of the truck with pint bottles of whiskey and girls would walk by and they'd say the most vile things and i'm a christian and i'm going look at me what am I, I, i'm one of them i'm here with them and i remember this one job i had uh, i had a baby at this point i was married at this point we're living in that one room studio apartment in manhattan and i was uh, doing this labor with these people that was so they just were dirty it was demonic that the kind of folks i was for the most part i was working with um and it only takes one of them actually maybe it wasn't as bad as all of them but one or two guys on a truck that were just pigs uh they're gonna push and, the energy and, yeah and i remember my job was to go to a hospital this day it was a cancer hospital and i spent the day moving boxes uh see-through boxes of tumors of tumors that had been removed from people and i spent Good eight Lord. hours a day for three or four days pushing these boxes of tumors holy moly dude i remember walking up yeah walking up madison <laughs> avenue at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> pretending to be crazy because there were people walking behind me so i start walking like a madman thinking they'll leave me alone and I, I looked like a bum. I mean, I, I, the way I was dressed. <laughs> Winter time, and I'm, I'm walking up three in the morning, and I get home, and there's my wife, and there's the baby in the bed, and, and I lost it. I looked at her, and I said, "Look at me. What? What am I? You know what I? How are you?" And I'm, I'm going. I, I, nobody called. I was waiting for calls from people about music. You know, anybody call? No, they didn't call. Waiting for one guy who promised something to call me back. Did anybody call? No, he didn't call. And I just lose Brutal. it. And, I, and I, re, I remember yelling to my wife, look at me, look at me. I'm moving fucking cancer. That's what I did all day. I moved fucking cancer. What am I? I wasn't thinking about God. I was thinking about me. Right. I was thinking about how have I become? How has my life become this? And yet I, I was happy then. It was just those moments, you know? So that was I feel before, you. I that feel was before that. I lost her. Um, and then uh, again, within three years of losing her, um, God performed miracles beyond, miracles from beyond uh, to where suddenly I'm getting calls from people telling me John Bon Jovi's a big fan and he wants to hear if I'm doing anything. 
And I'm going, yeah, I'm dying. What do you mean? I'm writing songs, but I was, I was writing songs from that pain. And I had, oh I had written God. a record. I had written a record and had a cassette, and it said "Pretty Blue," uh, "Pretty Blue World." I called the record. That was one of the titles of the song. I was writing a record no one was ever going to hear. Um, that's what I thought. I went from being the boy with the rose-colored glasses to the boy that thought nothing good could ever happen again. And uh, but I, ha I knew these were the best songs I'd ever written. And one of them was "Power Windows," and one of them was a song called "Heaven's Highest Hill" about losing my wife. Uh, and no one was ever going to hear him. And then I get this call that Bon Jovi wants to know what happened to me because he's a big fan, has all my records. <laughs> and I sent him, well, I was supposed to, they said, come to Brendan Byrne Arena. He wants you to come to Brendan Byrne Arena, which was the big arena in New Jersey. And uh, Whitesnake is playing. And he might be there. If he's not, this other guy, his guy will be there. Give him any music you want him to hear. Wow. So there I, next night I'm in the front row at Brendan Road. Burn Arena, and um, and John ain't there, and I figured that would happen because I'm thinking this is just more smoke to make my life a little worse. This is just more, of you know, course, yeah. yeah. This is another been, setup. This is yeah, like this, you need more pain in your life, so yeah. let's like tease you yeah. and get your hopes up, yeah. and then yeah. pull the rug out from under you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> been well, there as well. Yeah, that's what it. Yeah, that's what it. That's what it is for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, so I gave the little cassette to this guy, a copy of it anyway. And like I thought, I, I told everybody that knew me because I had too many people looking at me like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to him? And you don't want sympathy. Sympathy is not something I want. Uh, I want hope. Yeah, um, sympathy is an insult. Yeah. What I, and what I, I tell people, what I kept doing in, in light of my whole world just disappearing, I just kept doing what I could do. And that was loving my daughter, taking care of my daughter, and strumming the guitar and writing songs, the ones God gave me, even if I wasn't giving him credit, they came from him. Uh, because I was writing songs I could have never written before. I was no longer singing exclusively about girls, having them and not having them. Uh, I was writing about something else and uh, let, about let me, let me interject a quick question. When you're in that phase and you're recovering from the death of your wife and, um, you know, you're loving your daughter and you're strumming, you're, you're also working some kind of job to pay the bills, right? What are you doing with your daughter during that? How did you juggle that? Well, this was the interesting thing. Uh, when that happened, I was living in New Jersey. I had been washing windows for a living. Uh, I stopped moving furniture. I was washing windows. And then I stopped washing windows. And I had belonged to a Bible ministry. And a lot of the sweet folks that I didn't even know started sending me money. So I had like, I think, 10 grand that people had sent me. And uh, my dad, wow. being the beautiful man that he, he is and was, he is, he's no longer, he died at 101 a couple of years ago. Um, he bought a house next to my sister's house in Long Island. I was living in Jersey at this at the time my wife died. We lived in New Jersey and he knew I was still in that apartment and I really no way of paying the rent anymore. My money, that 10 grand was running out. Um, and uh, it didn't look like there was anything on the horizon that was going to ever pay another bill for me. Uh, I had that little bit of money and it wasn't so little then. 10 grand was a lot more than it is today. And uh, my dad bought a house and to make me feel okay with it, he said, Bill, I, I, the house, just stay in the house. We're, we're going to be in Florida. Uh, we'll just come around in the summer, but you move Rosie into the house. 
And so I moved into guy, that house. So I, man. What yeah, a my guy. dad was amazing. Damn, and he, love your he never, dad. Yeah, he never said he bought the house for me. He bought the house for me. Wow. For for me, he never. He, in other words, I didn't own the house, but I he bought the house your, because I love of your me. Dad. Yeah, he's, he was an amazing dude. He was an amazing, amazing dude. Uh, but um, so yeah. And it was in that house I wrote these songs uh, that wound up on this Pretty Blue World tape that, uh, again, uh, it was a year and a half later. I never heard back from Bon Jovi. I never heard another thing in a year Oh, really? And a half so, you, so you go to the concert, White Snake. By the way, White Snake, big, <laughs> big fan. The best Led Zeppelin cover band I've ever heard in my life, Dave Coverdale. Oh, I did a guitar clinic with Vinnie, Vinnie Moore. No, not Vinnie Moore, Vinnie Campbell. Is he the guitar uh, player? He, he, I think he played with them for a time. I don't think he was an original member, but uh, metalheads can correct me on that. So, but uh, not that they're metal, but you know what I mean, pop metal yeah. or whatever sure. it was. Um, yeah. But so, so you, so you bring the cassette. You, you run, do you run into Bon Jovi's guy, and then you never hear from Bon Jovi for a year it's, and a half? Exactly, exactly what I expected. He, That's it was brutal. Just, it was, it was just another tease, another carrot on the stick that was running holy too fast for me moly, to catch. Yeah. And um. And I, it's what I expected. However, I did tell everybody in the world that, that cared about me that, oh, John Bon Jovi's my biggest fan, you know, and because that's what I was told. I hadn't yet spoken to him, but it, it was repeated meetings that made that, you know, of, of people bumping into people that either worked for John. It was very odd stuff. And, um, and again, I'm not a fan of White Snake, and, but I was in the front row. <laughs> and, uh, Come on, Billy, White Snake ain't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out a, a lot of those bands are actually better than like what we're getting now. But anyway, well, you're right. You're right. Yeah. To okay. Tony, Tony Catan, I thought was something originally. <laughs> I'm teasing. I feel you. The, the girl on the call. <laughs> I know but, who you're talking about, Billy. Poor, poor thing. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. She wouldn't get away with that today, huh? What? No. So, so uh, <laughs> man it's a long story so but it was a year and a half later i'm down here in nashville just checking out the lay, lay of the land because i had some friends here that knew me knew my wife loved us and uh they had come here uh you know digging for gold the, the nashville gold rush they came here to write songs you know and they weren't having a lot of success but they loved the town so they called me and said billy you got to visit you got to come down here you got to come down here and one guy put me up for the summer him and his wife could you imagine the whole summer and i left my baby with my mom and dad because it was summertime and they would come back to new york for the summer and came down here spent the summer fell in love at first i got here i was catatonic i didn't know how to talk to people i was so out of it and within weeks of being here i became a mover and a shaker that i've never been and i haven't been since i realized this was my life this my life depended on me moving my ass and at that point i come up with this famous bumper sticker that i've never made is god moves the world when you move your ass and i just started i love that door yeah. i love that god dude have you written that song yet if you don't i'm, I'm gonna I'm, start it no don't you dare <laughs> all right i won't even write it down i'm, a little, I'm a little i'm right I'm a little write thick. that song write that song yeah, that's no, I'm a little, god i'm moves. a little thick God reminds me all the time of, uh, of, hey, I gave you that idea. Instead of going around telling people the idea, you were supposed to write a song. Bro. And that's one that's one he's reminded me in, re in recent past, in recent history that you were I, supposed to write a song. I did it. Yes. You know? I did it yesterday, dude. I, I'm that's writing a funny. book and I told people the title at this cold plunge place I go to. And I'm like, why am I doing that? I have a killer title. 
I mean, they're it's fine. And I actually was uh, sort of, uh, you know, I was chastising myself on a walk last night and just praying and going. And then I felt like God said, "Don't worry about it, dude. It's no big deal." There's, anyway. a, there's I think, I think what I've learned about that is there's a time. There's a time. So when you start beating yourself up, like I wrote the thing called "Make America Gods Again," I uh-huh. had the idea. I had the idea a year ago. So I had my guy, my buddy, my my nephew who makes my T-shirt designs. I had him make a T-shirt, "Make America Gods Again." Never thought about writing a song, and uh, and then uh, just a short while, you know, not just my last. It was in the last two months. God said, "Hey, you're supposed to write a song." And I wrote the song, you know, but I don't, I think it's, it's when, you know, the next song that's coming out, I wrote, it's called Heaven Hears the Children Cry. It's, a, it's about child trafficking. Um, I wrote it a year ago uh, and did nothing with it. And then someone must have heard it because I might have played it on my live stream, my church on online. And, uh, and they, they requested it. And I go, wow, yeah, that song. And now I just finished the video for that yesterday. But I think it's because now that that idea is ripe. You know, the world at large or whoever is going to hear me anyway, I won't say the world, but whoever is listening is ready to hear that. And this will this will do something for someone. uh, This song, it'll touch people in the right way right now. Um, So I think it's it's really, uh, you know, there's a time, you know, Ecclesiastes, there's a time and a place for everything, you know, to every season. So we shouldn't beat ourselves up. I think it's a matter of when the idea is ripe, God will be there to fill in all the blanks. Because I think if you jump on it early, you'll just be uh, spinning your wheels. And I've done that. And I walk away. I I walk away. And I come back and there it is. And God fills in the blanks. And I love, that's why I love writing songs. It's the best. Yeah, I can't build a house, but I could build a song. And um, and they're and they're immortal, man. They they're like they lean. I'm doing solo acoustic versions of some of my old ones, and it's like they're fine. It's just yeah. like they're they're still there, and I can imagine them being there at the end of my life. And it's like, wow, mm-hmm. I was thinking about that. These are like buildings. These are like, you know, the creative yeah. act is so miraculous in that way. If yeah. you com- complete yeah. something but so anyway you're in and i want to hear you want to play that song you were going to play because sure, i feel like that's sure. hanging over but when, when you're done with this i want to pick it up from nashville you're finally grinding in a way that you never have and then i want to find yeah. out how bon jovi finally got around to calling you but go ahead let's play this song this is about your wife the the yeah. loss of your wife when i carried it down that long cold hall Last night walking out of the hospital When friends and family finally went home When I realized she was really gone When the front door closed and I could not breathe When I was in the hall down on my knees When she woke up cause she heard me cry When she asked why God let mama die To buy her clothes and brush her hair To tuck her in and say her prayers Oh, sometimes life's so fucking unfair Yeah, yeah You should have been there
When she was a tree in her first grade play On Christmas mornings and Mother's Day When I ran out of gas and felt like such a fool Me and Rosie hitchhiking to her school When she came to me with worried eyes She didn't have to see I could read her mind I just took her hand and walked out the door Held it all the way to the drugstore to kiss her face and dry her tears to whisper to her mom is here oh sometimes life's so fucking unfair yeah yeah you should have been there When I didn't know what to do When I needed to talk to you When the rain came pouring down When, when, when Mama, you should see her now Trying on her wedding gown I don't want her to see me cry So I turn away and I close my eyes Life's beautiful, I wouldn't change a thing If you could only hear her sing Sometimes I've made mistakes and I let her down I sure wish you could have been around Where I didn't know what to do when I needed to talk to you when the rain came pouring down when when Dude, that is heavy as hell, man. That just brought the floods, dude. Wow. Wow, that is just... That's just fantastic, man. It's hard to talk after that, dude. Oh. <laughs> I mean... Um, even out even of tune, I'm so sorry that I should have tuned this after I dropped the guitar on the floor. <laughs> as I'm done. starting... Uh -oh. You know what? It lent, Sorry. It, it sort of lent to it, you know, because uh, I don't know. Yeah, it did not. It didn't hinder it, man. Um, the way you framed my tuning. Listen, that's fine. The way you framed it um, from from. Yeah, just the, the okay, sort of. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. The, I mean, I hate to call it a device, but it is a device. It's yeah. like, you know, the device. Are of, you talking? Of, yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me? Shaq, one, two. I oh, yeah, you. put your headphones back on or something. I don't what know. The heck, how could I have lost you? I don't know, Billy. You got me? Check one, two, one, what two. What the heck happened here now? I'm so sorry. I don't know. It's not from my end, I don't think. It's off and Oops. turned it on. <laughs> uh, oh, let me go to audio. Hello? 
I'm here. Nothing still. What a pain. Check one, two, three, four, five, just six, connected seven. in the other room. This is so silly. Hold on. I'm so sorry. You can edit this. Oh, you're, you're all right. I mean, I ha I mean, oh, I can edit it. Yeah. Worst comes to worst. Am I there? Still no? Check one, gotcha. two. Oh, you got me? Thank God. Yeah, I got you. I don't know what these You know are, what, dude? I probably I probably won't even edit it if I'm honest, man. <laughs> okay. No, but like so I mean yeah, anyway, dude. The way the way you wrote that, just framing it from your daughter's perspective is just so powerful, you know? Um so yeah, thank, thank you. you for that. I I don't think I've cried listening to a song in a long time. I think my heart is I thought my heart was dead and cold inside. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. Turns out oh, it's not, man. That yeah, was, I, that's uh well, what you. what does Rosie think of that song? Oh, I, uh, yeah, she I I played that with a band in uh we opened for Bon Jovi when I made that record the record was called When the whole album's called When it's probably the record I would look if someone wants to know what I do I I you know besides the the Latin the new record Never Surrender and the Holy Fire record which was more of a gospel record uh the When record was a gospel record but it, as you could see by the language in that song I had people come to me and say you're this far away with that song from having a number one country record with yeah, like some other singer why did you why did you allow that word in there man because it, it's, it's like it's, there, there's no other word i could say damn and if i'm in the company of children i'll say damn so damn life is so but at the time uh when you look at it life is some it's just hard life is hard let's face it um even walking with god i can't imagine walking without god uh well i can't imagine it because that's what most people do they walk how do you walk without god you take drugs you're addicted to something whether it's pornography uh -huh. just just negativity bad food uh alcohol just prom promiscuity whatever it is being a vegetable you're gonna you're going to serve bob dylan bob said it you're gonna have to serve somebody you're gonna you're eating from something you're gonna eat somewhere you can either eat from a pig's trough or you could Eat for the Lord Jesus Christ. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And I praise God, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good by no talent of my own. It's him. And uh, so you, you make a choice, you know, and at some point we wake up if we're smart uh, or he calls us loud enough. You know, the enemy gets you with pleasure or he gets you with pain. He takes a guess because he doesn't know what's going to drive you away from God or to God. But sometimes he overplays his hand like he's doing right now in the world. And a lot of people, uh, there's a harvest out there when it comes to Jesus right now that we are not, we are just beginning to see uh, harvested, reaped. Uh, you know, what do you mean by that? I, I just think the way the, the enemy has become so obvious, this, so obvious. That's true. Uh, yeah. If you ever heard, uh, what's his name? The dude used to do that. If I were the devil, what's his name? Uh, the guy with the radio show, can't think of his name right offhand. He had a show. Uh, a piece uh, called the power of the devil right your listeners will know if they're my age they'll know he had a radio show and and basically he predicted everything that was gonna is happening now and basically what he will know what's been happening for a long time and if i were the devil i'd convince you i didn't exist right and then i'd get then i'd get in the schools and i'd get in your politics and i'd make you so i'd inundate you with pleasure to the point where you didn't need anything or i'd inundate you with need so where you were too much in pain to go looking to god you know 
need will drive you to God or it'll drive you to hell. Pleasure will either go make you thankful or make you go, I need more because this didn't fill me up because it won't fill you up. You know, God has put eternity in everyone's heart. That's Ecclesiastes 5.13 or something like that. Um, so if you don't have that connection, what you have is that pull, that pull, that emptiness, like there's something missing. So if you're smart and you're blessed, you go to him. If you're not, you go to alcohol, you go to drugs, you go to porn, you go. There's so many ways to kill yourself without dying. Just make your life miserable and ugly. Right. You know, been there, done that. Yeah. You know, have. I mean, I, 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 I didn't do the, the drugs. I bought the T-shirt. I bought the extra large <laughs> and the large. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I bought I, the cutoff. That's great. Dude. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think like, you know, the devil's offer is he'll 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 deck out your cage. You, you're, you can live in a decked out cage with all the creature comforts, but, uh, you, you know, you're not going to be fulfilling your potential. You're not going to be realizing, um, you know, sort of how to bring light to others. At best, you're going to get a, a gilded cage with uh tons of dopamine hacks that that um are running out of time and the and the devil's push needs to evolve so you say he's overplaying his hand but that it was inevitable because yeah. everything in this world needs to evolve it, it's yeah. like well to, to quote another bob dylan line you're either busy being born or you're busy dying everything here is either busy being born or busy dying, including you yeah. and me, and yeah. to, and and including evil. And evil yeah. is busy being born. It's it, it, yeah. so it needs to keep pushing the envelope, and we're seeing yeah. that in society now. Yeah. It, like so, it's only it, it's it can't like hit a pause button and be like, uh oh, they're kind of catching on to me. Let me pause and just act nice again, and yeah. and sort of yeah. like lay off the gas. It can't do that. It has to keep yeah. moving forward. So. We are culminating into a major spiritual war. The principalities of the sort of battlefield of the principalities play on are getting are getting more hostile and more aggressive. Also, like you say, Jesus is bringing a harvest. He's amping up his game as well and throwing light into more and more of us because he needs us to be warriors. So, I mean, yeah, this is not. This is not three years ago. This is not yeah. 10 years ago. This is a whole different time yeah. with a whole different set of rules. Yeah. And people are ready for conversations like this because we're all living in this world. I mean, and, yeah. and you, you, you know, like it back a few years ago, it could be like, oh, somebody believes in God or the devil or they're, they're a little wacky. Now it's kind of like, really? You don't you 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 don't think that's going on here? You don't think there's any of this activity happening? <laughs> like, come yeah. on, bro! Yeah. It's like yeah. you know. Yeah. No, well, you're exactly right. I'm in there before before the show today. I'm I'm writing a new song, um, and uh, it's called Alex Jones. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I wrote, I'm writing a song called Alex Jones um, because uh, Alex Jones is is. Uh, you know, for years, oh, yeah, he's out of his mind, entertaining, but out of his mind, you know, now he's a prophet. Now he's absolutely the guy. So much of what he said is true. It's happening now. Uh, it's it's just fun. I, I mean, I'm having fun with the song, but it's, you know, um, the blinders are off. The devil is so obvious. If you're sleeping now, 
man, you must be on something really strong. Uh, or you, again, your conscience has been so seared, which the Bible promises your, your consciences will be seared with a hot iron. Uh, that's not good. And, and those folks are unreachable by redemption. And that's sad. But I really believe the only reason, and, and again, the, there's a difference between God. I'm going to allow this to happen. God has no choice. He is righteous. And what has he to do with, it says, like, this is a temple of God. What does the temple of God have to do with Belial, which is Satan? And you think of so many people walking around, Christ-filled people walking around, still drinking from the pig's trough. And again, uh, guilty. I still look at stuff on the TV that wastes myself. It's wasting me. And I want to stop. I pray, God, take away my taste for anything. That is not from you. And and the more you, the more you draw near to him, and, I, and I'm trying, and I'm trying, and I'm getting better, I'm getting better. But the closer you draw near to him, the things, because I know there are so many things I used to think, yeah, this is good, I'll do this. There are so many things. I look back on what I used to think was pleasurable and good, and I go, how could you? They sicken me. I want all of it to sicken me. I want all the things of the world in terms of what the devil is offering all his to fill my entertainment time you know years ago my mom and dad's age but you go back go back to the the time of the chosen that tv uh, series nobody I, had time. I like that show oh man he, they're doing good it's it's not ex exactly something i agree with continually but it doesn't matter right um, it's, it's beautiful and and you see those people didn't have time to sit around and be bored oh what are we going to watch now honey we just binged watch 40 episodes of that thing with blood and guts and and evil and more evil <laughs> they didn't have time for that they had to go uh, and kill what they you know they had to be to bed early so they could go kill what they were going to eat the next day right. we got all this we have this poor people have the luxury of time with their iphone 14 and 4,000 channels well, on, yeah, on but, but that's also a demonic attack because of it's course like it is. the, the of world course is, is set up with endless distractions and society yeah. entirely yeah. uh backs it so it's like yeah. and 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 demonizes people that speak of other things of taking responsibility of not identifying as a victim all those kind of things go like oh that means you're a right wing nut job intolerant prick yeah. you know yeah. what i mean so it's like you know it, you can hardly blame them although they do have to like catch wind of it that, that they're being yeah. duped yeah if people would wake up uh, again, and I, I'm, I, I feel like, yeah, I'm wide awake, but you know what? Every day I wake up a little more. <clears throat> uh, think of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, son of Jacob, the one he's, who... He's my guy, bro. <clears throat> Joseph, what a That's great name, name, Joseph. Dude. <laughs> Did we talk about this on the phone? But but Joseph, I mean, look, at uh, he's chosen, right? He's, it's it's uh, the man of God comes around and goes... Uh, Okay, this guy, he, oh no, he has dreams, right? He has these dreams and he's, he's silly enough to tell his brothers, hey, I dreamt that you guys all bow down to me. And they're going, he's already the dad's favorite, you know? Uh, they know he loved, uh, Jacob loved him because it was his son of his old age, right? His brothers hate him because the father has such a, a love for him and he's, it's obvious. So Joseph has a dream and he goes, runs and tells, hey, guess what? I had a dream, guys. This is really great. You all bow down to me. And they're going, oh, we hate you more now. 
He has another dream. Now the father and the mother also bowed down to him. And, the and Jacob goes, what? Me and your mother are going to bow down to you? But his father knew something was going on with this guy. Then his brothers see him coming because his father sent him out to the sheep and they throw him in a ditch and they take his coat. And they one one brother steps up and goes, no, we can't kill him. That would be awful. We can't kill him. Figure, and I'm going to come back. We'll throw him in a ditch. I'll come back and rescue him later. So he's not there. They see a caravan going by. The brothers take him out of the thing, out of the ditch, and they sell him to a caravan. And it goes on. We all know the story. He goes to Egypt. He gets a great job in, in, in the captain of the God's house. He's there a little while. The guy, the captain of the God's wife is a whore. She sees something. He was very good looking. <laughs> and she throws herself at him. And he just says, no, no, no. How could I do that? This, your husband has been so good to me. Why would I do that? I don't want to lie with you. His whole kingdom, everything is mine in his house. Uh, and then one day she attacks him and he runs out of the house, but she's holding his underwear or whatever she's holding. She starts screaming rape. Not one moment. He winds up in jail. Not one moment. Do you hear anything written in God's word about him bitching and moaning about his situation? Not the ditch, oh, no. not the, uh, uh, the accusing, the accusing of attempted rape and right. not being thrown in jail. <laughs> And it goes on and it goes on you not know, one moment and but uh, god was able to promote him behind enemy lines there's a couple of interesting things about that though i think if you live in the moment if you really are in the moment whatever is happening whatever experience is happening is full of interest so that would be the key to not complaining even if suddenly you're going to jail or, or prison or something it's like that's another experience. I mean, it, obviously, it comes with all kinds of downsides, obviously, but there's still things within that structure if you're in the moment, if you're not yeah. like looking at the future and the past. And th that's the torment. So, without torment, every experience in life is in the very least interesting. The other thing that's interesting about that story is it's framed around dreams because, mm -hmm. you know, he has these dreams, his brothers throw him in the ditch, but then the way he gets out of prison and, and finds is through interpreting dreams. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yep. The whole thing is dreams and it's, it's brilliant. And again, if he were one to blame God, like so many people are, None of that would have happened. If he would have blamed God, he would have been this down in the face, bitter human being. And when he when he got sold into slavery, he would not have ended up in the captain of the guard's house. And then the captain of God saw of the guard saw favor on him. He saw something in this man. It was the way he carried himself. It was the way he loved his God. It was his loyalty to his God. The captain of the guard was not a believer. But then I tell people, people go to work and they're bitching and moaning about their boss. If you'll just go there and work heartily unto the Lord and make it be worship, do it for him. Don't do it for that guy over there smoking the cigar. Do it for God. And God can promote you if that's the way you walk in. If not, you just you're gonna you're gonna be in a, a you know, you're gonna that guy becomes your Lord, the guy with the cigar. Um everything we do can be worship and life like that is is just beautiful it sometimes hurts like hell and no one likes pain yeah. i hate pain but you know what if it comes my way uh i'm just gonna stand up and go he's for me he's for me i don't understand everything he's for me and if i'm still breathing at the end of this i'll be in better shape because he always brings beauty for ashes that's the story of my life he yeah. I, my life was in ashes and and he brought beauty for it
So uh, let's go back to so, where, let's go back to that Ashes point, and you're in Nashville, and and then Earl Nightingale saying success is the worth <laughs> is the steady progression of a worthy ideal, and the fact that you're saying like, hey, don't do it for the guy smoking the cigar, do it for God. At that point, I feel like when you're in Nashville and starting to find your grind you are marrying those concepts probably you're like sort of like realizing hey wait a minute i was in a in a in a trap up there in new york now i'm down here there's the whiff of opportunity in the air now how can i marry my sort of ambition and it goes with your bumper sticker god will move yeah. the world if you yeah. move your your yeah. behind so it's like go yeah. take us there and then take us to when bon jovi finally called you yeah an analogy that comes to mind for the situation I was in then was I was being buried alive. Um, was worse for my wife, but I was being buried alive is the way I saw it. It was like someone holding you underwater. How hard do you kick? How hard do you kick? Because it isn't in my nature to be a mover and a shaker. If I was, I'd be somewhere else, but I probably couldn't do what I do with, with songs. I'd be too busy with my eye on the prize. My eye is on the song. My heart is on the song. Not that I don't want success. Of course, I want people to hear what I do. Otherwise, who cares? Um, I know God hears what I do and people are hearing what I do. So it's, but I felt like it's like someone was holding me under. How hard do you kick when someone's holding you underwater? I was kicking. And that's the only reason I want, I was kicking for my daughter. I was kicking for my life. I wanted, uh, to be able to take care of her. Uh, I wasn't really thinking in terms of, but the, uh, here, when I say that I, I was in a place where I thought nothing, when I lost my wife, I really went from being the guy who just expected everything to go my way. Not that it did, I just expected it. And when it didn't, I still expected it. This will turn out okay. Like when my wife got sick, don't worry, honey. No, 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 no. This doesn't happen in my life. That This does not happen to who I love. This is what I told her, but it happened to who she loved. And it was her, it was on her, and I'm not blaming anybody, but it, it, she had the problem. I didn't have the problem. My problem was I had my wife and I was helpless to help her and that killed me. That was my problem. I felt when she was dying, I felt like I was being buried alive. It continued after she was gone. I thought there was a moment of relief saying, good, I could, I don't have to watch her struggle anymore. I don't want to, I don't have to watch, be reminded that I couldn't help the woman who thought I was her hero. I couldn't help her. And, and I'd never been faced with that before. And in my mind, I thought I could, I could fix anything with humans. I couldn't, I couldn't do a damn thing. Uh, so I was fighting for my life. I was fighting for my daughter's life. So within a couple of weeks of being here, like I said, I went around, I was charming secretaries. I'd walk in, I'd walk in the lobby of this weird little building down there. It looked like a stack of records, the United Artists building. And, and uh, I, I talked to a secretary, a receptionist, and I just, like worker, like I was picking her up in a bar, but I was working it to get to her boss. And she'd say, well, do you have any music that I could hear? I said, well, I could play a song. I'd play her a song and she'd run and get her boss and drag me in an office. And I'm talking to this kind of hillbilly character who was kind of like a little sketchy. I remember very sketchy. Everybody has a record company. They weren't real record companies. I don't know what they were doing, but I had offers from everybody in Nashville. Like, if you stay here, you move here, we're going to sign you. You're going to have hits. These songs will be hits in 10 years. And I'm going, 10 years? I ain't got 15 minutes the last 10 years, and I can't. But you got to move down here. And I said, I can't move down here. Sign me, I'll move down here. Because I had a baby. So I'm down here for the whole summer collecting promises. And some people had me keep coming back with songs and songs. And I was writing like a house on fire. I fell in with a group of songwriters. It was I for the 
first time in my life I was a part of a fraternity. I was no longer the outside guy. I was now felt like I belonged to this little fraternity of songwriters, about 10 people. And we'd meet every night after everybody was spending their day either writing or taking their songs around to publishers or trying to get their songs pitched. And I'm, again, I'm doing it to save my, my daughter's life and my life. And uh, um, nothing's happening, but once in a while, someone would come. All those songwriters, by the way, all became successful. They all became successful. That's great. Some became, yeah, some of them became artists. Uh, some of them became just successful songwriters. And um, that's interesting. It, it was it was it was an amazing time. I felt like I was I've never been a part of anything because I didn't do the drugs in the music business. You know, I chase girls, but you do that alone. I, I didn't do the drugs. That's what you do. That's where the communion is in the music business, alcohol and drugs. Yeah, and I didn't do it. So let I was me interject. In my, let me interject. Yeah. That's an interesting p factor that all those people became successful, because I do believe there are these times when god sort of puts people together that that like you've you attracted this sort of group that that we're all going to have success that's that's pretty remarkable but i just you know i want yeah, you to I keep mean, going was, with the was, story there was, yeah there was a, again whether people on the peripheral peripheral that didn't yes but there was probably eight people in that group that went on to be big time songwriters and a couple artists that did really well but so it was at the, I was at the end of that. I had to go put Rosie back in school, back in, uh, in New York. My folks were watching Rose, the baby, and I was aching to see her. Uh, but I was, I felt like I was breathing for the first time in five years because, uh, I was really breathing. I was living and I'm thinking, my God, uh, it was like church for songs down here. Then I, I remember sitting at that Bluebird Cafe, which has become very famous and, and sitting there. there. With, Listening to, I'd listen to writers there and I'd sit there crying, crying, just for a lot of reasons. Not only their song, my life, and the idea that I was actually breathing. I was actually feel like there's hope. There's, there's actually hope. Um, but all the while when I had no hope and I thought the thought was nothing good could ever happen again. While I was making that little cassette, Pretty Blue World, I was making it a record that no one would ever hear. And that's in my mind. But there was this one thing in the back of my mind, and I still see it as a, a piercing, like a laser, a bright white light um, saying, God won't leave me and my baby here. He will not leave us here in this devastation. Uh, that my life had become it was like a city that was scorched earth um and so i'm coming to the end of my stay in nashville i have like a week left to stay and i've got one company that continually is having me back and they i, I have a meeting on a thursday and i have to bring i have to drive back home on saturday to put rosie back in school and uh my folks were going to go back to florida and uh, I have to drive back. So my stay is over. My heart is kind of breaking because I want to see my daughter. It's also breaking because I'm going to go home now and spend another winter looking out the window waiting for my daughter to come home from school because the only time I felt whole was when she was with me. Um, other than that, my life was like a tomb uh, back there. But now, I, I, again, I was breathing and I felt good. I was so excited. And I knew I was going to go back to a cold, gray winter in New York. And... Uh, so I have this one last meeting on a Thursday afternoon with people I had met. So, uh, they'd been pulling me along all summer. More songs, more songs, more songs. So I play them five more songs. And the girl looks at me with her partner, a dude. And, and they say, uh, you know, our investors are coming in tomorrow. Can you come back and bring more songs? And I just had played them 50 songs over the last month and a half. And I said, I, yeah, I might have something you haven't heard. 
So I get home back at the house I'm staying at that afternoon. It's like 103 degrees in Nashville. I feel like my steering wheel is melting. I pull up in right not far from where I live now to this little house, 2000 square foot house in uh, the same in the town I'm in now, not far from here. And uh, I walk in the house. No, no, I'm sorry. A week before I'm in the house and I'm getting ready to go downtown and meet all my songwriter buddies. And we're going to sit when the bars close. We sit in the courtyard of one of the bars, a very famous bar where Elvis Costello, it used to be a hotel called the Third Coast. And everybody and their mother stayed in there at, at when it was a hotel. Um, and now it was just a bar with a courtyard. We'd sit out there all night long and, and play music, um, play our new song, play our new song, tell our stories about what's going to happen tomorrow and who said something about my song and who might get a cut or who put a song on hold. Uh, even if it didn't come true, it was entertainment and it gave everybody hope to hear good news from somebody else. Um, but we were, we were living, we were doing it. You know, it was like, I felt like I was in a college. I was, and I was in, you know, I was in with the right people. It was fun. Never had that before. Um, but on my way out that night, the phone rings in this guy's house and it's a buddy of mine who used to play bass in my band. He also was in the Southside Johnny for a while. He was the bass player. And he, uh, I hadn't heard his voice in years. He said, Billy, I was in a, uh, I was at the Stone Pony last night and Bon Jovi walked up to me and, and he said, hey, you used to play with Billy Falcon. This is a year and a half after I sent that cassette, right? And the guy said, yeah, yeah. He says, have you, have you ever heard the song Power Windows? And he sang John, he, John sang him the chorus of Power Windows standing at the bar. And my buddy said, yeah, he, Billy sent me that song a couple of years ago. And he says, where is he? Can you get a hold of him? You have his number? And he said, sure. He says, will you call him? Give him my number. Tell him I want to talk to him. I get this call. I'm getting ready to go downtown, be it, meet my friends. I get this call from this guy telling me this. John Bon Jovi is a huge fan. Now, this is the second call, right? The first one was the one where I brought the tape to uh, uh, Brendan Byrne Arena. The second one now is a year and a half later. And I talked to John and I call him. I called John. These are miracles. Like I said, this could have happened. <laughs> it's These like, are miracles. What took him so long? Jeez Louise. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, like I'm down here and I'm banging on every door you can, right? Moving right. my ass, right? God moves the world halfway across the country, right? God moved something across the country. Somehow, John Bon Jovi found favor in me. I found favor with John Bon Jovi, who had the wherewithal to push any button he wanted to push, right? And he was in the mood to push a button on me. Um, why is that? That's God. And um, so we have our first conversation is, hi, uh, John's Billy Falcon. Hey, Billy, he sounded like me on the other end. He sounded, I thought I was talking to myself, his voice, um, his manner. Yeah. And he said, uh, he said, what the are you doing in Nashville? <laughs> And I said, I, I, I'm, I'm writing songs. No one here. I'm waiting about... for you to call John yeah. for about a year and a half now, bro. Like, so, <laughs> you made so, me go see White Snake, dude. <laughs> you <owe me. laughs> Come on, bro. Um, oh, so funny. And what he said was, look, I'm on my way out the door. I'm going to the movies. I'll never forget. It was like 10 o'clock there. It was like nine o'clock where I was in Nashville. I'm on my way out to the movies. But I'll I just tell you this. I am your absolute biggest fan. Um, if you have anything else, send it to me. He gives me his address uh, and we'll talk. I'm going, okay, great. 
Now, I at that moment, I'm going, I'm never going to hear from this guy again. This is Still? another. I mean, certainly, oh. certainly part of you must have gotten a little bit more jazzed at that oh, point. I, 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 I was I was very excited. I went yeah. downtown. I told these people, you know, I told all my friends because I thought, tell them quick before it disappears. Is, mm -hmm. It was in my head. Tell them quick before this turns into more bullshit. Excuse the expression. Mm -hmm. So I go down. Everybody go, wow, wow. That's nobody probably believes me. But wow, that's great. Yeah. So I, I wake up the next morning. I had a reel-to-reel -reel built into it with that Tascam board. I had with the little seven-inch reels, and I recorded like five or six new songs that I had written, and sent another cassette. And uh, the next day, I expressed him this whatever it was. And uh, you wrote him a letter no, with it? No, no. I just sent him the songs, right? And I sent the the, the songs, and um, now it's. A week later, I hadn't heard anything. A week later, it's Thursday, and I have to go drive my. I have to drive back to Nashville on Saturday, and uh, I have one more meeting. They asked me to come in and play for their investors on Friday. I get home on the Thursday afternoon, and it is so hot. I remember, and I walk in the house where I'm staying. Uh, the, the couple had a 16-year-old uh, uh, son, and I walk in, and the son and his girlfriend are sitting on the living room floor on the on the carpet and no sh he had no shirt on they had like bathing suits on because they had been at the pool i guess and god knows what they were doing anyway so he says they look up and he goes billy you got five messages and they have the coda phone between them you know the, the answering machine he goes you got five messages from john bon jovi and he hits the button and it's wow. billy uh, is billy if billy falcon's there can you have him call me please this is john bon jovi Another one. Billy is Billy Falcon there? Doc McGee, who you may know was his manager at the time. Doc McGee wow, is calling. Legend. Yeah. Yeah. So five phone calls. I call John. Jeez and, and his words, yeah. Excuse my French, but his words to me when I when he picked up the phone is, What the fuck are you doing in Nashville? And <laughs> and I told him, John, uh, nobody here. Uh, nobody up there cares about a guy with an acoustic guitar and some songs here it's like church they love what I, you know they listen here you know and he goes he's like he doesn't know nashville like that he knows nashville he used to come here and play right uh, an arena that he hated the audience he he didn't do well here right and uh so then he um he said i do i care he says what do you want i said i want to make a record he says i can do that come home and then he says, do me a favor in the interim, uh, come home. I'll send you a plane ticket. And I said, uh, wow. I'm, dri I'm, I'm driving home Saturday. He really was afraid I was going to make a deal down here is what it was. So he, I said, well, I'm driving home Saturday. I don't need a plane ticket. He says, okay. So uh, how about, how about, how about, my some house how about some gas money? You want to get to give me that? So, so, so he says, uh, yeah, will you, will you come with me next Thursday night. Uh, me and my wife come, and I'll, I'll call you. I'll give you the stuff. But uh, in the meantime, uh, make a list of dream producers. And I'm going a dream producer list. And he says, "What about Danny Korchmore?" And I know only reason I knew Danny was from the Henley Records. And in Nashville at that time, those Henley Records were God. <laughs> you know, the end of the Innocence and the Boys of Summer record. I they love were, Boys of Summer, dude. Yeah, they they were they were the records, and the folks I was hanging out with thought like Don Henley. 
<clears throat> those Henley records were <clears throat> the best country records ever made. In other words, they were they were too cool for country. So I'm going, I, Danny Korchmar, and he did the Henley records, and I said, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> A week later, I'm at. Um, I drive home, my car breaks down halfway home. We won't get into that. It was another a nightmare because I was so excited to hold my baby. Should have taken family. the plane ticket. Should have taken the plane. <laughs> Sold right. the car to use car lot. Yeah. You're moving oh, on man. up, Billy Falcon. Yeah, not so fast. So I, I finally get home and I, 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 Thursday I go to John's house. And this was at a point where he had just put out the Young Guns record six months before. So he's got that long, beautiful hair. He's pretty. He's wearing this very loud shirt buttoned down to the navel, almost with chains and three earrings in each ear. And he was pretty. And his wife was there. And she's a lovely, lovely human being, just sweet. And Doc McGee's there. And it's the four of us. We eat shrimp scampi. I remember this. I remember everything about it. And it was the weirdest thing. I'm feel I felt like I needed a, a makeover. You know, I'm sitting with John, looking like a rock god. I mean, he looked just like he came off the stage of the Living in a, on a Prayer video or something. Very funny. And uh, <laughs> so we we finished dinner. Doc McGee is the most engaging dinner get companion you'll ever have. The stories, his stories, were just funny as hell. A funniest wow. man, such a funny man, and a, a pretty cool guy. It was always very kind to me. And uh, we retired to the drawing room and, and it's covered and I walk in, it's a room a little bigger than this room. You really can't see, but it is, there are hundreds of platinum records lining the walls, hundreds of platinum records and like three Andy Warhol paintings of John and his wife or six, you know, those kind of uh, little paintings of the same thing in different colors. I got you. And, uh, and I'm like overwhelmed. I've never seen so much platinum and gold in my life. And we sit in this little sectional and <clears throat> Again, uh, it ain't, it ain't it's, it's, it was his first house where he made money, you know. It's more like the, the Sopranos house than the houses he has now. Um, it was like new money. And was, I'm sitting in there and John hands me a guitar. He says, play us something. He wanted to see if I could sing, you know, what I, if I could sing in front of somebody. And, right. And I played him like three or four songs. And he looked at me and said, okay, stop. I hate you. <laughs> it was very funny. Wow. Okay, I hate you. Stop. Uh, and they hand me a record contract. Oh, go, really? Right there. The <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm going that's like, kind what of, is that's this? kind of wild actually. Yeah, it, it was really wild. And, uh, like I said, wow. this is all, Oh God, it is so wacky. Not my experience, not your experience in the record business, not to this, not to date anyway, for me, you know, you'd get a promise from a record company and maybe a year later you might sign a contract. Maybe after a bunch, you know what I mean? And, and yeah, it uh, takes a while. They handed me the contract. And I didn't go home. I was living in that house in Long Island in Valley Stream with my, you know, Adam, me and Rosie. And, and uh, I went into Manhattan and I walked the streets. I used to walk with my wife and my baby. And I, I was reading the contract and crying and thanking God and going, oh, my God, this is real, isn't it? We're, we're delivered. I'm saved. We've saved. You've saved my life. Uh, it, and it turns out, you know, I wow. call Power Windows the song that saved my life because that was a single on that record, and that was the big the, the hit, actually. And Will you uh, play it? Can you play oh, it? Sure, sure, sure. I'll play it for you now. Um, but, uh... Wow, yeah, dude. Well, I, I mean, <clears throat> I want to ask you more about that, but I want to hear Power Windows. 
Charlie drives a brand new Mercedes Benz. He's got another one just like it. Just like all his friends. His wife is playing and his kids are off at school. He drives home to his empty house, sits by his empty swimming pool, but he's got power windows, he's got power bricks, he's got a power bed, push a button and it shakes, he's got no one to talk to and tears are rolling down his face, but he ain't got the power of love. Lewis drives a beat-up 69 dart, swears it's the statue of Mary, keeps the car from falling apart, with Gracie right beside him, sitting closer than a smile, got his head on his shoulder, he loves to drive and hold her, he got no power windows, he got no power bricks, he ain't got no power, nothing, but he got what it takes, he's got Gracie's arms around him and a smile on his face, he's got the power of No cellular telephone He goes rumbling down the highway Listening to his AM radio One arm out the window And a smile upon his face Makes you wonder how it got there Till you see him look at Grace Oh, see him look at Grace He's got the power Ain't that the power of love? He's got the power. Ain't that the power of love? He's got the power. Ain't that the power of love? He's got the power. Ain't that the... He got no power. Windows got no power. Breaks he ain't got no power. Nothing but he got what it takes He's got Gracie's arms around him And a smile on his face He's got the power of love No air condition, no cellular telephone He goes rumbling down the highway list into his AM radio One arm out the window And a smile upon his face Makes you wonder how it got there Till you see I'm looking at grace No Power windows got no Power breaks he ain't got No power, nothing but he got what it takes yeah. He's got the power of love. Alright, alright, alright. Dude, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, good. 
What a song, man. What a great Thank you're you. saying you're such a great songwriter, man. And and it's uh it, I don't know, it's there's something in spiritually I can really see why John uh loves your songs. It it does resonate with like um his style so well it's it's a great marriage it is the power of god in that way you know there's something about what you do that's so soulful and reminiscent like that song is reminiscent of the sort of springsteen storytelling sort of um mm -hmm. you know characters and and just mm -hmm. but like with an overarching message as well yeah i don't know well, you know it's at so... the worst at the worst moment in one of the worst moments of my life uh, it was in, in the wake of losing my wife. It might have been a, a year after, well, so many months after. And I remember it was, I had the night before a friend had dragged me out to go out for the first time. Like, you got to go out. We got to go out. You know, like you see in the movies, time for you to go out, you know. Right. And I, and, and I wasn't a drinker, never been a drinker, and I drank a lot. And we went into Manhattan to a bar. We're going to meet girls and when i'm not i'm just like out of my mind the girls really and i left my daughter with my brother in long island i was still living in jersey at the time and and um uh, i woke up the next morning so like hung over sick uh and disgusted and depressed because you know you wake up after being out in the world and going oh this is my new life standing in a bar uh unable to even speak to anybody because i didn't know who the hell i was and um and I remember I was in the car driving to pick my baby up. It was around middle of midday. There was a Met game at Shea Stadium and it was a beautiful day for the beach and everybody is on their way either to the Met game or to the beach. And I am stopped in dead, dead stop traffic. It's like a hundred degrees out in New York. Uh, I shut the air conditioning cause my car is beginning to overheat and you could smell that smell. And I saw that song with every word of that song play out for me right in front of me. I saw a car wow. in front of me. And then I saw the, and, and I'm looking at a man in a Mercedes that looked like my whole, everything I needed in the world was in that car in front of me. And, um, and God saying, look at that car there. And I'm going, I really, this is, I hear, I have a conversation with God in my head and look at that car. And I'm going, I'm dying. I'm going, my car's about to overheat. I'm going to be the guy standing in the middle of the highway, uh, you know, waving traffic around me because my car is beginning to overheat this piece of junk I had. <laughs> and um, God says, look at that car. And I look and I go, uh, what do you want me to look at that car for? Every, that guy has it all. Look at him. He's perfect. His world is perfect. He had perfect hair. His car was the biggest, blackest, shiniest Mercedes Benz I'd ever seen. He, he had more value in that car than I had it, 10 times anything I had in my life. I had nothing. And, and I never gave a damn about cars, but suddenly cars meant everything in this right. vision, in this thing God's shown me. And then he said, and I, I'm disgusted, and I'm going, why? He gets a phone call. He gets a phone call. This is 30 years ago. Who had a phone 30 years ago? It's probably on a wire. And I see, and I go, oh, my God. Because God's saying, no, you keep looking at this, and I keep looking. And I see him get a phone call, and I said, now my life just got worse. His life just got better. My life just got worse. He has a phone, and that means something to me in this moment for some reason, right? And I'm feeling oh. worse, worse, worse. I'm looking at my life and going, how am I ever going to dig myself out of this hole? My, I'm done. I'm, I'm being buried alive. I've yeah. gone from being almost a rock star. I am being buried alive. My daughter, what are we going to do? And then he says, now look over there. And I look over there and in the slow lane, 
again, this guy has got me at the mall. He's, I see this car and it had more body work on it than paint. And the guy in the car was so, oh, I'm sorry, the guy on the phone suddenly starts screaming at somebody and I see a vein mm. on his neck over here. And he looked like he was going to have a heart attack or a stroke. And I thought, oh my God, no, I don't need what's in that car. And then God said, okay, now look over there. And I looked over there in the slow lane and there was that car with all the body work on it. And a guy who looked like the most happy man I'd ever seen in my life. And I could just see, it was that vantage point where I could only see his profile. And he had, he had his hand window and he's hearing some, maybe some salsa music, music. Some told me he was Hispanic. He also had no air conditioning. And, uh, traffic started moving a little and I got a vantage point so I could see what was making him so happy because in my mind I'm going what is this guy so happy about what is this fool driving that piece of junk that looks like it should be up on cinder blocks why is he so happy and I get the vantage point on him and I see there's a woman sitting right beside him like pressed up against him and to me God showed me of me a picture of joy like I've seen before in my one my one my one my one my one my one they might have been miserable, but in that moment, it was joy. It was bliss. And I'm going, how is this possible? I went home and home and I wrote our windows in 20 minutes. Um, That's incredible. Hey, Billy, the, the, the internet's acting yeah. up. The internet is super acting up right now at the end. I don't know why it is. I think it's my thing. I should have stopped it. I should have restarted it before. Oh, but okay. I, this has been like such an incredible interview that I'm kind of like nervous about some like something going wrong with zoom or something I gotta like <laughs> I gotta learn to record these with a backup I still haven't figured that out yet but I wanted to ask you one more question and that's an awesome okay. story about the inspiration behind power windows and I really appreciate you telling it and um yeah your whole story is such um a huge um inspiration to so many people that um you know they, they they've given up on their dreams or they think it's permanently dark and the fact that you are where you are now the fact that you're in this amazing house in nashville that your life completely did turn around and that you went through such hard times this is all just a, an incredible testimony actually um so i i just wonder and like what you were saying the nature of the song power windows as well is it's just like yeah the thing that sucks about not having money is it makes you obsess about money the great thing about having money is you don't have to think about money all the time like you get liberated from that torment it's like yeah uh so it's like it's understandable why you know like you you at first glance want a big mercedes-benz even though you don't care about cars because that represents freedom from that torment but i'm wondering now from your perspective now and then we'll wrap it up but just um because sure. i think we've been going for an hour and a half or something like that anyway Same but way. like um you, you know have to cut this in two <laughs> no nah, i'll just put it out like it is even with the weirdness okay. um like okay. even with that time when we couldn't <laughs> hear each other um uh, you know um i'm wondering like looking back at that journey what do you think it brought you um wh why do you think it happened how have you sort of rectified it with god and with your story and, and what do you think you got out of it oh my well i what I got out of it, I'll start at the end, is, is fuel for the rest of my life. Um, uh, because at first, when I was delivered, I was absolutely delivered. There were miracles, right? But because I had been in such pain before that, uh, 
when my wife closed her eyes, my first thought was, I'm going to live now. And then it got, I thought it would be better as I carried my daughter out of the hospital that night. I picked her up, walked out of that room, picked my baby up off a sofa where she'd gone to sleep. Uh, didn't even say anything to all the people waiting out there. And I just picked her up. And just like the song, when I carried her down that uh, long, dark hall, the hospital, I walked out. About eight people followed me. I walked down, went down the elevator, nobody's saying anything. And I didn't even get in the car. I walked and these people followed me. It was like a really weird parade walking back to my house, which was a couple of miles away. I forget how I got there, if I had a car there, but I walked all the way home holding my baby and it was slightly raining. I covered her with a leather jacket, I remember. And I carried Rosie all the way home. And, um, but I thought things would get better and it took a, a while for them to get better. Um, but when they did get better, I didn't go, praise the Lord. And I did say, you heard me. I said, praise the Lord. I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God. But as soon as the record started to happen, because it did start to happen, I went to hell. I went right back to every old vice I had. I went back to, I'm going to live now. I'm going to, I'm going to live now. I'm going to do all the stuff that, you know, that, as opposed to just taking what God gave me, he gave me a brand new suit of clothes and I went right back to the pig trough. I went back, right back to rolling in the mud. And um, yeah, and, and I think that's what abbreviated uh, my, my success with that record because that record was slated to be like, a, Power Windows was slated to be a number one song. But as it, as it was at the top of the, it was like number 18 with a bullet. I was on Casey Kasan and Casey Kasan, you know who that is? They got the top 40 guy. I don't know if you know that. Of, he of did course, a top 40 bro. show. I was born in 1971, dude. All right. Well, yeah. you're young. I mean, I do feel young, but I, <laughs> I feel like 51 isn't young, but I guess it is. It's all relative. Yeah, anyway, yeah, go ahead. Keep you're going. Young. So uh, I, I, I basically, uh, you know, I, it was it. I did it. I was done. You know, I was now on tour with Stevie Nicks and Don Hanlon, these guys and guys and, and, um, um, and I'm going wild. Let's face it. I'm just going wild. And I, I was thinking, I ain't hurting anybody, right? This is fun. This is fun. It's hurting people. I know it's hurting people. Um, I just girls. That's all. I thought it was. That's what you're supposed to do. You're a rock star, star, right? Supposed to do. That's how you prove you're successful. And, uh, as the thing is cresting, I mean, ready to, to shoot up the charts. Uh, it's 18, 18 with a basic case and says, man, after all this time, you've done it. How does it feel? And I'm on the radio and, and all this stuff. I'm all over Europe. I'm going everywhere. I'm limousine life and all this stuff. And I'm eating it up. I'm buying it all, you know, and the president of the label gets sued for sexual harassment. <laughs> Never heard of that before. It was unheard of then, right? And uh, the, the label froze, everything froze, all the money froze, everything stopped. He got fired. There was no president. They brought a, an interim president in. Everything stopped. If you weren't already a rock star, you weren't becoming one in the months that followed that. And uh, so the record died on the vine, which was, you know, it sold a couple of hundred thousand, which in those days meant nothing because people were selling multiple millions, records. Millions, yeah. Uh, but I really do attribute to that was God's hand was on it. And I decided to walk out from under that hand and go my own way. And the idea, if that continued in the way I was living, I might not be alive now. Somebody's yeah. husband would have killed me or something else. Uh, right. Certainly my daughter would not have a dad uh, in the way she had it, wound up having a dad that was there for her. Um, so I look back on all of it with no regret. And I thank God for every, that's uh, for every little bump in the road, for every little, 
direction that you know redirection or my g when the gps took me back around the block a couple of miles because i made a mistake uh god taught me something everywhere i went i learned something good bad or in every hole i fell in he taught me something and he built something into me and i've told you this already but it was in the last few years it's been like a renaissance for me in the last five or six or seven years when when i when i became very aware of the presence of God. And I kept, became aware that God is still a supernatural God who still heals. And I started praying for folks everywhere I go and seeing at first no one getting healed and then seeing people getting healed and then seeing instantaneous miracles where a guy who was dying on the sidewalk didn't die. He got up because I said, God, get him up in Jesus name. Amen. He got up. This was after firemen were working on him for however long trying to revive somebody that was dying in the street and anyway long other story but i've seen miracles and and uh musically i feel like it's a renaissance for me um and i'm younger now than i was 10 years ago because of the walk i'm walking or attempting to walk just walking in obedience spending time with him in what i he calls the secret place which jesus said when you pray go into your closet shut the door and be alone with your father that's what we're here for and then you'll have something to bring the world because if you don't spend time with him all you got to give the world is you and that may look good and people may pat you on the back and say you're a good guy but if you ain't giving him jesus you ain't giving him anything that's gonna last um so that's what i learned i learned you know i i learned what's important um but it took a long time you know, it took a long time. And, and again, it's, you have to do what you can. You do something. If you're in that place, I, I look at people's lives. I deal with so many people on my channel. You know, I'm, I'm live three nights a week for like two hours a week on YouTube and hopefully other places soon um, on my YouTube channel. And I, I'm involved in these people's lives. They call me, I send, I, I send them stuff. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, it's not so big that I can't have personal interaction with all these folks when they need me to call them. I talk to them. I pray for them. And it's not because I'm such a nice guy. It's because God has been so good to me. I got nothing. If I got, I got something to give, I'm going to pour it out all day long, as long as I can. Um, but that's, I, I, I just, you got to do something. You know, for a long time, I felt like I was the guy sitting on the sofa eating donuts, wanting to lose weight. You know, it's and I think a lot of people are sitting on the sofa eating donuts, praying, God, I just want to lose weight. And and Absolutely, you can't live like bro. that. It Absolutely. doesn't work. You, he expects us to do what we can, because if we don't do what we can, you know what? Our hearts will never get to the place where we can actually believe and accept his blessing, because he's not sitting around going, nah, you ain't good enough yet. He is not doing it. That's not my God. That is not our God. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross. So I had to be good enough for my father to bless me. My earthly father didn't care if I was good or bad to bless me. He blessed me no matter. He did care if I was good or bad because he knew if I was bad, I might get myself in, in traffic. Trouble, where, yeah. 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 So that's you know, all God wants. I, I look at it like my daughter. I, I watch her, you know, she's uh, 19 months, maybe 20 Whoa. months now. Right. So, and I watch her and, and, and she is full of life, full of energy, full of rebellion, full of like all the great things. And I watch her want something to happen. I watch her like will take over and, and it's like stuff sometimes that, you know, she'll put herself in harm's way and I'm just like, nope, can't do that. And then she'll like, you know, have a fit or cry or whatever. And I'm like, that's how God is with us. It's like, we're, we have our will 
and we think it should be this way and then it's like it's not that way and we're like ah and then god is like well what, you know like i'm just like to her going like you can do that but there's you're not doing that so it's you could, like yeah. No, I really think right. it's the similar thing, man. It's like we don't know what what he knows. And and so, you know, we have to trust. And that's where faith comes in. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah your, anal your, your analogy of the daughter is perfect. It's And again, he's the prodigal, we're the son. And if, ever, if anybody ever thinks what they're doing is so bad that he's angry with them, He's not. His heart breaks, and yeah. he's going, "Come on." That's come the other home. thing. That's come the other home. thing with come my home. daughter. I'm never mad at her. I'm like, I just love her. Like, and even if I'm telling her no, or even having to be like slightly firm about it, or a discipline, air, a discipline. I'm not the best at that. Uh, Anna's way yeah, better. Yeah, breaks your heart to do it. Yeah, breaks I don't want to do it. And like, I'm not yeah. mad at her at all. But like, it's yeah. like I have to do it for her own good. And I really think that is the way God views us. Is we're like His children, yeah. and it's like sometimes we, you know, have to be disciplined. And life disciplines us because we're off mm -hmm. track. But it's not Absolutely. like I'm mad at you. It's just yeah. like, dude, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's again, again, it gets right back to the blaming god you know people blame god when he gave you free will you want to drive your car off a cliff that's what you do that's what happens when you drive this car off a cliff you go crash yeah uh, and he would break every law that he ever put in motion and he cannot because he cannot lie right he could send angels he could send people talk to you tell you mm -hmm. you know hey don't do that you could see your parent like yours as a parent he's no don't do that but once they're you know if that's their will if they really want to do that you know what they're going to do it you just got to pray uh that when they do it when they crash it's a soft landing you know yeah um hey do you want to play like tell people about your where your youtube channel is and everywhere they can find you do you want to play the new song you got coming out about the traffic yeah sure sure i absolutely will um yeah hopefully I can do the that. internet doesn't act up but we'll see yeah it's been um, it's been mostly good good uh yeah so you just asked oh so my youtube channel is billy falcon music uh the show's called never surrender and um uh what will i say we do tuesday thursday and sunday evenings it's usually 6 30 or 6 45 if anybody wants to hear me jabber on about this kind of stuff and sing some of these songs join us there it's a lovely bunch of folks and they welcome everybody that comes in the chat when we pray for folks and uh like i said i i, I talked i call i give them my phone number uh say email me i call i'll call you we'll pray and uh, and people have been getting healed on the channel um of all sorts of stuff and it's it's really neat and it's sometimes a struggle but we just we we stand firm believing that god means what he says and says what he means jesus uh, said greater works these and greater works you shall do so he that he was either lying or, or he was telling the truth the only thing the only missing piece you know jesus what did he do he took the beating at the whipping post his body was torn to shreds where he didn't look like a human being he took that terrible horrible ugly walk with the, with the cross which was the most beautiful thing that ever happened in all of history it was ugly as hell it was horrific because of how he looked but it was the most beautiful walk ever he took it to the cross and he took the nails and he said forgive them they know not what they do um he did that because for us he did it for us he paid with his body for our bodies 
uh, for our brokenness. He paid not only for our sins, he paid for our broken bodies. We gotta, we gotta settle that. It's settled in heaven, we gotta settle it here on earth. And I just refuse to believe anything else that it is God's will to heal my body. And he's, he's, done, he's done amazing things. I, I, I don't see, I haven't been to a doctor in 15 years. Um, whatever, I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I'll play you the new song, but it's Billy Falcon music on YouTube just now. Uh, and hopefully in weeks to come, we're going to be on a bunch of platforms. Some people don't like YouTube. It's kind of communist and with the censorship and all that. But the tech is good. Um, but uh, you can visit, uh, hit the bell so you know what time. It's either 6.30 or 6.45, Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. And anybody wanting the music, it's billyfalcon.com. Most of it is, I think, pay what you want or pay nothing at all. The most important thing is that I want people to have uh, the, the music. And if they can't afford anything, then just take it. Um, anyway, there are some CDs available. <clears throat> the later one, Never Surrender, which is 20 of the new songs, uh, is available uh, if you want actually a hard copy and you get the digital download. Look at me. I'm sound like a, a commercial. This is called... You got to um, do it, Billy. You got to do it. You got to tell the people. The people love you, man. We love yeah, you. Thank you. This is uh, something I just finished the video yesterday. In fact, I'll send you the video. Okay. Um, I don't know when you put this up, but I, I got to figure out when I have to release it on a guy's channel who helped me a guy a fellow named good dog and his wife helped me uh come up with the clips and i, I have to say making this video <clears throat> was the hardest thing uh, in in terms of editing that i'd ever have to do because uh the stuff i had to comb through with the child trafficking and the sex trafficking and and the and the uh adrenochrome stuff <laughs> uh seeing this stuff wears you out there's no two ways about it most people don't want to look at it i don't want to look at it um so i tried not to make the the video ugly <clears throat> and there's a lot of jesus in the video and that's the only thing that redeems it but uh yeah it's called heaven hears the children cry um it, it go like this but uh the video should come out in the next week or two blah 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 Bad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I <clears throat> got a frog. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> no editing. It sounded brick good. Bad brick. <laughs> it was a good Wait kind a of growl. <clears throat> yeah, but it, it could get worse. All right. <laughs> it's early. It's still early for the voice. Here, here we go. Shouldn't be. Brick by brick, stick by stick, their castles coming down. Just to be sure it don't grow back, we better burn the ground. Dirty water, dark and deep, the unspeakable's about to speak. You can hold your ears, you can close your eyes. children cry tick-tock-tick tick, drip drop drip death will not kill your pain the hidden things will be revealed here comes the hurricane Ah, you must know this won't end well for you 
a special place and help from your filthy crimes. There's no place to hide. Oh, heaven hears the children cry. Oh, heaven hears the children Heaven sees, heaven hears, angels save every tear. Heaven sees, heaven hears, angels save every tear. Heaven sees, heaven hears, angels save every tear. Heaven sees, heaven hears. Politician, preacher, man, got your head in the sand. Think Jesus will understand, he will not understand. Heaven hears the children cry. Oh, heaven hears the children cry. Oh, heaven hears the children cry. Oh, heaven hears the children. All right, Billy Falcon, my camera just died. My fancy one. Now I'm down at this uh, thing. That was beautiful. And the Internet's acting up. So thank you, brother. <laughs> thank you for coming thank on. You, I, it's I, a pleasure, Jason. I hope, oh, I my hope pleasure. You, I hope you come on again and uh, we'll pick it oh, up. I'd love to. I'd love we'll to pick it up from you walking down the Manhattan City Street with the contract <laughs> where the story went from there. Of course, you did go into that, oh. but um, really appreciate it, my friend. God bless you, Joseph. Thank you. Bless yeah. you and your family. And thank you, folks, for listening. This is fun. You're great, Joseph. You are. You are truly a gift here. Thank you, my brother. Beyond you music, as well. Which, I yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And thank you, uh, thank you for doing the work you're doing, man, and for bringing light to where you're bringing light, man. You're a, you're a gem, thank dude. You. Your testimony is beautiful, and you're a beautiful man. So God bless you. We'll be praying for you and um thank you yeah man i'll talk to you soon i'll hit you up you, on brother. the old phone sometime you. and be like billy right. talk, talk to me <laughs> <laughs> i'll see you later brother right. love you man god, god bless love you. you too god bless all right bye